transparent moment with you. I walked up here and I prayed and then I opened my eyes and I looked out and I forgot everything that I was supposed to do. If you were here when my family arrived a couple of years ago, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I am going to ask you to look around. And I want you to see what God has done. Because Pat and Phil Gay have been forced to sit in the balcony. <laughs> along with Dick and Sandra Smith. But Phil, look what God's done. Sandra, look what God is doing in and through our midst. And God, I would just ask you not to stop. Continue to build your church. Continue to build your kingdom. Continue to reach this community. To continue to reach Brevard County and beyond for the sake of Jesus Christ. And as you have grown your church, may you continue to grow your kingdom so that none should perish, but that all would have everlasting life. Because we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As Andrea continues to, to play, I, I want to just take a moment and, and we're going to pray together as a church family. And, and I do want us to continue to lift up those in our area and those who, who are, are dealing with COVID or struggling with COVID. And just so that you're aware, there are also people who just have the flu or are dealing with the cold. And then if you don't know that, school is starting this week. And there are a lot of people who would like to have a cold or like to have this when they don't want to do but we want to lift up our teachers. We want to lift up the, the staff of the schools that surround us, wherever you may go, the teachers. Uh, we want to love on our parents. We just want to lift up those. For the last couple of years, as we talk about school and our, our, our littlest people, in just a minute, you're going to see, uh, if you haven't already, our, we're dropping, we're now taking the whole service for our preschoolers. So if you come in and you've got a preschooler, you can check them in. And they're, they're enjoying the entire service back there. And our parents are enjoying the entire service. Give me something, parents. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. If you can't say amen, you're probably saying, oh, my. Um, but uh, in just a minute, we're going we're gonna to release our third, fourth, and fifth graders and our kindergarten. For, and you're going to see this slew, this sea of children. And for the last couple of years, two years ago, uh, the church approached Laura Sink and asked her if she would serve as our minister to children in addition to her role as the preschool director. And she took that on, and, and it was just this, 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 I don't know that you could have imagined what God was going to do. So if you wouldn't mind, Laura and Jeff, would y'all come up here for just a quick minute and let us say thank you. Would you join me in saying thank you? You don't have to say anything, Jeff. You just got to come up here. As Jeff is also running the sound, he's probably about to turn me off. I'm not going to make you say anything, nothing like that. Julie, come on up. Laura has graciously served in this role. And it has grown a little bit, just a tad. And we are now at a place where Laura needs to give 
all of her attention to our preschool because we have, we have built this conduit between the preschool and the church that I am so excited about. They know we love them. At least I think they know we love them. And we're gonna continue to build that. And hopefully they will, they will know that. And maybe they even might make this their church family. Who knows? But we're gonna continue to love on them in so many ways. They're at least bound to like one of them. And God has answered my prayer because when we, when we prayed about it and we said it's time to transition, we're, we knew we were gonna need somebody to lead the charge at least for a season. And so Sarah Aiken has graciously accepted the role of interim minister to children and families. And so I'm going to ask my wife, I'm going to ask us to pray, thanking God for Laura and for Jeff, and also for Sarah and for Davy as we pray for her in this new role. But we just wanted to say thank you in a tangible way. And so we just want to say thank you for, take, for just saying yes when your church family asked you to step into a role. But Jeff, we know that she didn't do that alone. We know that there's been lots of sacrifice that you and the kids have made for her, her to be up here serving at different times, at random times. And Jeff, I just wanted to say personally thank you to you as well, for all, not just for being her husband, but for all that you do to serve the body of Christ here at First Baptist in Atlantic. I am thankful for you guys, not just for your partnership and ministry, but for your friendship as well. And Sarah, I want you to know, and Davey, that we are thankful for you guys and your family. And, and Laura's not going anywhere. She is going to be the best volunteer that Sarah has ever had in her entire life. Aren't you? Thank you. No pressure. Um, I want you to know that you are not doing this alone. This is your faith family. This is your team. Tell them what you want. But Julie, would you pray for these two? Thanking God for Laura and Jeff and lifting up Sarah and Davey as they take on this new venture. Because our children are not the church of tomorrow. Our children are the church of today. Let's lift them up in prayer. Let's pray together, church. Lord Jesus, this is my friend, and I ask that you bless her as she steps into this role. Lord, our Lord, how, magnific how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty, from the mouths of infants, nursing babies, toddlers, children. You have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. And the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? Father, I ask your special blessing to look after our friend Sarah as she steps in this role. Father, we are thankful, so thankful for her. Um, we are thankful that she is um, an iron that sharpens my iron. And God, I just pray that you would place a hedge of protection around her family. And Father, that you would just keep of their goings, comings and goings, just where you are holding their hand. Father, we thank you for this special woman. We thank you for my other friend over there that has stepped in this role for two years and taken um, your lead, Father, to do that. God, we thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you so much for your son, and it's in his name that we ask and pray these things. God again for providing his servants to First Baptist in the Atlantic.
kindergarten, first and second graders can come up and get their packets right here. Uh, the rest of us, if you will find in your Bible, Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Feel free to grab one of those uh, Bibles from the chairs under, uh, around you or underneath you. I think it's going to be page 496. Uh, and while they're doing that, while everybody's in motion, let me share with you a couple of things. Woohoo! Um, want you to know that God, through your generosity, uh, we have been able to order a brand new projector. Uh, so it is, yeah. Hallelujah! Um, uh, so that is on its way, and and so uh, we 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 still have plenty of projects. So you know. Just we wait. Um, but I do want to say thank you for your faithfulness as we continue. And not only were we able to um, order a brand new projector, but Friday uh, we were able to take lunch and some, some gifts over to the, the teachers and the faculty, the teachers and the staff at Hoover Middle School, as well as uh, love on our own preschool teachers and family. If you want to get a glimpse of, of what God did through you. Just stop by the fellowship hall and look at the tables. That is literally just a portion of how you overwhelmed and blessed them. We'll take uh, some things over to the elementary school tomorrow. Um, but it is through your generosity, it is through your faithfulness that God uses those gifts to allow us to reach out into the community, to do the things that we need to do here, things that we'll be sharing in the next weeks and months to come about what we feel God is doing, uh, things that will take uh, your faithfulness in your giving as God works through you, but to God be all the glory when we get to do things like that. Before we dive in, I do want to, I'm going to share with you a little bit because I'm very excited about what God is doing this fall. Uh, when I sat down months ago and planned out what I thought was the direction for the year, preaching and, and theme-wise and emphasis-wise, I was just real what are we going to do this fall, God? I didn't have a definite sense. I knew there was something that he was leaning towards, but I couldn't quite get a grasp on it. Last fall, we walked through experiencing God as a church together. We all did it in our small groups, in our Bible fellowship classes, as a, as a, as a community when we worshiped together. In the emails that Karen sends out with, with personal Bible studies, we did experiencing God together. And I just loved literally being on the same page together. It's one of the reasons that we wrote the devotional books to correspond with our journey through the first 50 Psalms. I love literally being on the same page together and being able to talk about what God is sharing with us and teaching us as we journey together through his word. And so as, as we got through into the summer, I had something in mind, but I wasn't settled on it. And then literally just in some time alone with the Lord began to realize where we were as a church family was we were, we were having people come and become part of our faith family. We were having more and more guests each week. Why? Because God is at work. God is doing something. God is doing something unique. God is doing something incredible. God is doing something special as he wants to continue to reach out to this community and see what he is doing in our midst. So I begin to go, okay, so what are, what's going on? Well, I realize that even though I may say that you need to find 52 people uh, and, and, and meet them, that you're, you're just shaking hands. We're just gliding by people. We're, just, we're not really getting to know one another. We really need to. So I'm going to use a couple of people that I, can, I know I can probably embarrass. Kelly, would you stand up? This is Kelly. 
This is literally, you step out this way so everybody can see you. Just wave, Kelly. This is Kelly. This is literally one of the funnest people you will ever meet on the entire planet. This is a party waiting to happen. Okay? So, and the, but, but over here, but over here, Angela, would you just, just stand up right where you are? This is Angela. Angela is also fun. Angela also serves in really almost every capacity she can possibly find at our church. She is literally one of the best volunteers I have ever had the privilege of doing ministry with. I am humbled to get to serve with her on a weekly basis. And here's what happens, and I know that they know each other, but this is where they usually sit. And it's really hard during a welcome time, well, it's not really hard for Kelly, because Kelly's like, bam! But it's, it's really, if, if you're one of these, it's really hard to get all around and not just meet. Y'all can sit down. It's really, it can be challenging to not just meet and shake hands, but to really get to know folks. And then we're at this place in the life of our church where I don't want to sit here week after week and go, hey, we need more people in the preschool. Hey, we need more people serving students. Hey, we need more people greeting. And what happens is we can ask week and week and week after week. But if you don't know how God has designed you, if you don't know what you're passionate about, you're going to hold back or you're going to have an experience that's not positive. Okay, I'm just going to go help in the preschool because they said they have a need. And you may be, no offense, you may be the last person that needs to be serving in the preschoolers. You're actually not the last person because you're looking at the last person who needs to be serving in the preschool. I love them for short amounts of time. But we don't want to put square pegs in round holes. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a parent please just be willing to serve. We're not going to ask you to serve every week, but there may be times where we just need you to step in. But you may be gifted and not even know it. You may have certain skill sets and not know how to use them in the overall body of Christ. And so this fall, we're going to enter into an emphasis that we are calling Wired That Way. Wired That Way. And we're going to look at a model called How Are You Shaped, basically, we're going to look at your personal shape. And we're going to look at five things all fall long. We're going to discover your spiritual gifts. We're going to look at your heart. We're going to find what you're passionate about. We're going to talk about your abilities, something a little bit different than your spiritual gifts, but your abilities. Many of you are good with your hands. You're good with mechanics. You're good at, at like home repair, just like me. That was a non-true statement. Some of you are, are good teachers. Some of you are behind-the-scenes type of people. Some of you are IT people. Some of you are very creative. Some of you are engineers. Some of you need to be at our sound booth. Some of you need to be, some of you are like Kelly. You're the friendliest people on the planet, and you need to be the face that people see when they come in. You can greet people. You can make people feel at home. You have abilities. Also, your personality. You were designed and created a certain way. Not just introverted and extroverted, but there are aspects of your personality that God can use in very specific ways as he reaches the body of, as he uses the body of Christ to reach the community that he has planned us in. And then we all have experiences. We all have different experiences. You have done things that I have not done, and I have been a part of things that you may not have been a part of. And God will use all of those for his body, in his body, and for the sake of his kingdom. And so what we're going to do, starting on September 12th, if you hadn't written down that date yet, be sure and do that. I am going to need a, a glass of water or something, please, babe. Um, 
we are, starting September 12th, we are going to relaunch our Bible Fellowship Hour. We've kind of had it. We have some classes that are meeting. Uh, we've had some classes that have taken a break. Our children, our, our students, everybody on that day is going to start meeting at Bi the Bible Fellowship Hour. When's the Bible Fellowship Hour? It's 9.15 to 10.15. It's right before worship. And that's going to be a time where two things are, are, are going to be our goal. Number one, relationships. I want Kelly to get to know everybody in this room. That's your goal. I want Angela to get to know as many people as she possibly can. I want you to build relationships with the people around you. This is our faith family. Let's get to know one another. The other thing is I want to, the word is assimilate. We need to go from just sitting in a chair to being a part of what God is doing. You can't just come, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. We can't just come. If you're, just, if you're looking for a church, and I mean this very graciously, I mean this very sincerely, I mean this very heartfelt, I do not mean this to be offensive in any, any way. But if you're looking for a place where you can just come and sit on Sundays and then and that, that's it, I just want to encourage you to find another church home. This is not the place for you. This is the place where we are going to, we are going to, we are going to impact the community for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't take a break. Don't get me that, don't get me wrong. There are times and there are seasons where we are so burnt out that all we need to do is sit and let God's word marinate us overwhelm us, overflow all over us. There are times and there are seasons where that, and that may be where you are, but it needs to be a season because God did not call us to his body to sit on the sidelines. God called us to get on the field and be in the game. And that's what we're gonna do this fall. We're gonna figure out as, as a church family, but we're also gonna figure out as individuals how, how we can work together, how we can be a part of one another's lives, but also how we are part of the church family as a whole. So September 12th, we're gonna begin that journey on Sunday mornings wired that way. It'll include our weekend intensive that we did last year, uh, October 15th through the 17th. You'll wanna jot that weekend down. We're gonna dive into the book of Philippians as a church family, as a part of this journey. Uh, and we'll be communicating as much and as often as we can as we go along all the things that are happening. I'm excited about some friends that I'm gonna be inviting to, to speak to us and guide us through the different journeys of spiritual gifts and personality profiles and things like that. It's just gonna be an exciting time in the life of our church. And I wanna encourage you to be a part of it. Psalm chapter 46, before we read the psalm, I want to provide a little bit of context for you. If you're just joining us today, this summer we've been walking our summer through the psalms, focusing on the first 50 psalms. Next uh, summer we'll do the next 50. Um, we're going to look at a little bit of context before we look at Psalm 46. I'm going to ask you to jot down the next couple of passages. Uh, you can go and read them for yourself later, but I, I want you to take time to reread Psalm 46 and maybe even 47 and 48, reread that psalm after you've read uh, these passages. Just jot this down real quick. 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19, jot down 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 
And then Isaiah chapters 36 and 37. 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, Isaiah chapter 36 and 37. These passages represent a portion of the accounts of Israel's king Hezekiah. Uh, we've talked before about Israel's kings, uh, the kings of both Israel and Judah when the nation uh, walked through a period of division. Uh, we read about the kingdom's leadership often going from, from bad to worse, but Hezekiah was different. Listen to the first six verses from 2 Kings chapter 18. It says, in the third year of Israel's king Hosea, he was evil, by the way, in the third year of Israel's king Hosea, son of Elah, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, now Ahaz was also evil, he was the father, not the son, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, became king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, daughter of Zechariah, and here it is, verse 3, he did what was right in the Lord's sight just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the high places, shattered the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. In other words, he eliminated anything and everything that drew the people's worship to one of their false gods and away from the one true living God. Oh, to, the people were worshiping these false gods, they were small g, and they were, and they were turning their attention away from the one true living God, capital G. Verse five, Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel. Not one of the kings of Judah was like him, either before him or after him. He remained faithful to the Lord and did not turn from following him, but kept the commands the Lord had commanded Moses. This is, this is more than likely who our author is today. He's the author of 46, 47, and 48. Psalm 46, 47, 48. This Hezekiah, he is more than likely our poet, our psalmist for the day. And he's written this psalm either in the midst of or in, in hindsight to God's deliverance of Jerusalem, the city of God, God delivering Jerusalem from the Assyrian Empire. And with all of that said, if you are physically able, I would invite you to join us as we stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. And as we have been throughout our summer in the Psalms, I would invite you to read out loud with me Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, Selah, there is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I am God 
exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah. Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. Father, may we decrease so that you might increase and may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started because we have been in your presence, we have heard your voice, and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. As you're being seated, the psalm is broken into three sections. And before we look at as much of them as we'll have time today, I want to take a quick, <laughs> sure, I want to take a quick minute to draw our attention to one word in particular. Uh, this week, as well as last week, uh, we read a word that we often overlook when we are reading through the Psalms. The word is Selah. Uh, and it serves a purpose in the text. There's no conclusive definition of what it means necessarily, uh, but most scholars agree that musically speaking, remember the Psalms are songs. They are hymns. Uh, they were intended to be sung by a choir, uh, by the people, uh, by individuals. And let me pause right there. I get asked on a regular basis because a lot of folks know that I have a music background. I was a, a minister of music for 20 plus years, and I get asked pretty regularly if we're ever going to have a choir here. And, and the answer is we're probably going to do a couple of things at Christmas, not choir-wise, but we are probably going to have a, a choir next spring. I won't do a choir like all the time, but we may start a choir next spring. So if that interests you, that was my free plug. There you go. Um, so musically speaking, uh, the, these were intended to be uh, sung by a choir, by, by people, by individuals. Um, they were intended, but the overall, the, the main purpose of Selah was, an, was it was included to create a pause in the text. You, 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 you get this minute, you get this moment to, to think about what you just read, to think about what you just said, to think about what you, what you just sung. There might be times where, where, where Kyle or, or Scott or Andrea or Sarah or myself, where we're, we're leading the musical part of worship and we've sung a verse and then there's this little bit of, of musical interlude before Renee starts singing again or before Kyle starts singing again. There's this musical interlude and that's kind of the sila of that moment where it's that opportunity to reflect on what I, what I just sang, what I just said, or what I just heard, or what I just read over the screen. Oftentimes, because of the way we're conditioned, our mind begins to wander, but the purpose of that interlude, the purpose of the sila is to allow that verse or that stanza or that truth, to, it gives that, that, the, that truth a moment to resonate within you, it gives you that moment to allow the Holy Spirit to let you absorb that truth, to apply that truth, to engage with that truth before you just move on to the next passage, before you just move on to the next verse, before you just move on to the next truth. There are times where you will never hear the sermon because something in a song was used by the Holy Spirit to speak to you. There might be times where you don't get to the second half of the sermon and you have to watch the service later because God said something to you and you never left that moment. There was a time about a year to two, a year, two years ago where I was at my brother's church and I took out the bulletin and right before the sermon started and I never heard the sermon. Because the front page of the bulletin, the very cover of the bulletin said, Kingsland Baptist Church, 
uh, serving, uh, loving, uh, serving one family at a time. And it was at that moment that the Lord just kind of came upon me and said, we're not going to surge and we're not going to explode, but we're going to grow one family at a time. We're going to love one family at a time. When God sends us the Cole family, we're going to celebrate and we're going to be excited about the Cole family. And when God sends us this family, we're going to celebrate and get excited about this family. And, and that was my moment. And by, by the time I was done just kind of absorbing everything that the Lord had shared with me, the pastor was asking us to stand for the benediction. I was like, I missed the entire sermon. But, but, I, but the Lord had done something in my life. That's that Selah moment that gives you that opportunity to reflect on what the Lord has said. So let's look at the first three verses. The very first verse gives us the overall theme of the psalm. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. The author is going to use a similar verse, in verse a similar word in verses 7 and 11. He uses the term stronghold. And in both cases... He's, des he's describing God as a dependable refuge, a safe harbor that can be trusted all the time, but especially in time of crisis, especially when everything in the world around us seems to be falling apart. Does that sound familiar? Let me add what Warren Wearsby says about this. He says, God doesn't protect us in order to pamper us. He shelters us so that he can strengthen us to go back to life with its duties and dangers. Let me repeat that so we can absorb it. He doesn't protect us in order to pamper us. He shelters us so that he can strengthen us to go back to life with all of its duties, all of its responsibilities, and all of its dangers, all of its obstacles. We were not meant to be in our holy huddles. We were not meant to be isolated from the world, but he does take this opportunity to protect us so that we can strengthen, so that we can go back into the world and make a difference for Jesus Christ. In times of crisis, the Jewish people had a habit, a tendency to look to the other nations around them uh, for help. Uh, particularly numerous times, they would look to Egypt for help. And they would look to the other nations for help rather than just looking to the Lord God himself and trusting him. And the nerve-wracking thing about that is, is that they had example after example Experience after experience, testimony after testimony, generation after generation, story after story, telling them what God had done, what God had provided, how God had given them victory after victory, and yet, time and time again, they struggled. But we do too. So when the Assyrians began to make their push toward Jerusalem, Isaiah, the prophet, told Hezekiah, 2 Kings chapter 19, he said, don't be afraid. Look back at Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its water roar, roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, though all the world seems to be collapsing around us, we will not be afraid. Does that mean that we are careless? Absolutely not. 
Does that mean that we do not live in concern? Absolutely not. But it means that we do not cower in fear. We do not become paralyzed with fear. He is still God. He is still on the throne. We will not be afraid. And then we encounter that word again. Selah. So we pause for a moment and we reflect on that truth, on that encouragement and how it applies specifically to us as a church and as individuals. Let's keep reading. Verse four, there is a river Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. We are in Jerusalem. It's a city that is under siege. The Assyrians are attacking. They are restricted. They are confined because the Assyrian army is all around them. Now, Jerusalem is one of the few cities that was founded uh, but was not built on a river. It was not built on a a water source, but verse four says there is a river. Keep in mind, water is the most precious commodity of the day. You've got to have it to survive because Jerusalem was not built on a river and because they had to have some sort of water source, King Hezekiah actually constructed an underground water system, a behind-the-scenes water system. But that's not the river that the psalmist is talking about. Remember, a lot of the times that we see water referenced in Scripture, particularly in the Psalms, when it's being used as a metaphor, it is referring to the ultimate eternal satisfaction that we have, that we can only find with God in Christ. In Isaiah chapter 8, God's prophet describes Assyria as a mighty rushing water of the Euphrates River. But earlier in the chapter, he also references another body of water. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 5, he says, The Lord spoke to me again, and because the people rejected, remember what you said just just a minute ago about how the Jewish people had a tendency to look everywhere else, because the people rejected the slowly flowing waters of Shiloh. The slowly flowing water of Shiloh is what many refer to as the Pool of Siloam, which is one of the sources that King Hezekiah used to build his water system. But in this instance, what the prophet is describing, what the psalmist is talking about in chapter 46, verse 4, what the the psalmist is talking about is the calming, consistent, confidence-inspiring, character-building presence of God. That's the river that he's talking about. Do you want to have that calmness in times of crisis? Do you want to have that consistency in times of chaos? Do you want to know that you will have character when the world is crumbling all around you? Do you want to know that you can have confidence in the most trying times? Then you need to understand that that is only found in the presence of God. Psalm 46.4, he says, There is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. Verse 5, God is within her. His presence is within her. And the minute I read that, I thought of these two verses. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Verse 6, 
the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. Galatians 2.20, I thought about Romans chapter eight, verses nine and 10. You, however, Paul is talking to believers. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit, capital S. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, when you become a Christ follower, you and you become a Jesus follower, when you call Jesus your savior, when you call Jesus your Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God comes and resides inside of you, convicts you of sin, helping you navigate this side of life, giving you cause to celebrate, giving you unspeakable joy, giving you indescribable peace. The Holy Spirit comes and resides within you. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. If you are a Jesus follower, if you are a Christ follower, if you go by the name Christian and you're walking with the Lord, serving with the Lord, living for the Lord, and you call Jesus the Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you and dwells in you and you do not live this life alone. For the nation of Israel, it was literally, it was the presence of God, cloud by day and fire by night. It was the temple. It was the presence of God. But for you and I, ever since the cross, ever since the resurrection, since Jesus returned to the right hand of the Father, since Acts chapter 2 and the arrival of the Holy Spirit, you and I don't have just the promise of God's presence, but we have the Holy Spirit living within us, even when, especially when, it might seem like the world is coming apart all around us. Verse 5, God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rise, kingdoms topple, the earth melts. When? When he lifts his voice. Verse seven, the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our refuge, our harbor, our safety, our rock. Selah. Just pause and take that in. You and I have an entire army protecting us. They're not, they're not there to pamper us, but they are to shelter us so that he can strengthen us so that we can do life with all of its duties and all of its dangers. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. It's grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Final section. Verse 8. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. Verse 9. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. We're no longer in the city under siege. We're no longer trapped within the confines of the city. But what is happening now in Jerusalem is we are on the battlefield. Picture in your mind's eye, picture the beaches of Normandy, picture Germany and Japan after the allied, allied forces, uh, or picture Braveheart, or picture the Patriot. Oh my gosh, I can remember. Have you ever seen the Patriot? 
So I was on a choir tour one year. We were headed to, uh, I think we were headed to Chicago. No, we were headed to Washington, D.C. And I was, you put movies on the buses for the kids and, and the bus driver only gets to listen to them, but everybody else gets to watch. And it was, my, my counterpart was on the other bus and, I, and we got to our arrival destination and I could not get uh, the group off of the bus. I had 60 students and I couldn't get anybody off of the bus. And my boss was the one on that bus and I could not get them to come in so we could go into the park and sing the national anthem for the team. And I cannot get this group on the bus. And when I get on the bus, I realize that Mark is replaying the scene in the Patriot where the cannonball takes the guy's head off. And I mean, they've already seen it, but he is playing it over and over and over again. And every time the kids are going, yeah, like that. And I'm like, get off the bus. But if you can picture one of these battlefields where all of this is going on, however you picture it, hear God speak. Look, fig, see the battlefield, see the armies going after it. Hear, just see the battle in your mind's eye and then hear the Lord say in verse 10, stop it. Stop your fighting. Some translations will say, cease your striving. Other translations will say, be still and know that I am God. And we often introduce this verse as a peaceful, consoling, warm, affectionate verse. But that is not necessarily how it's intended. It is a rebuke. It is an admonishment it is the Lord saying, that's enough. He is looking at the nations around, around Israel who are opposing what is going on. He is looking at the enemies of God and he is saying, stop it. I am the Lord, capital L. I am God, capital G. I am sovereign and I am in control. And then he is looking at the people of God, his people, and he is saying, enough. I'm your God. You are my people. Your trust should be in me. Your hope should be in me. Your faith should be in me. I should be all that you long for. I should be all that you need. Enough is enough. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. And the Israelites need to understand that they can no, no more rely on the nations around them than they can trust in their own armies and their own strategies because it's only God that can provide and protect. It is only God who is worthy of our allegiance. It is only God who is worthy of our commitment. It is only God. Can you, can you say those two words with me? Only God. Say it again. Only God. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, but you know what you're going through right now. You know the trial. You know the struggle. You know, you know the whirlwind that is around you. Could you just think on that for a minute, for a second? And then would you say these two words with us, everybody? Only God. 
There are things that we need to do as a church family. There are, there are aspects of our campus that we need to, to, to take care of. There, there's an, there's a, a thing, a desire to build right here so that we have bathrooms in the back and, a, and an area for our elementary students. And, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And then I come back to, and I want to reach all the children, all the middle school students at Hoover Middle School and all the ch- children at Indy Atlantic Elementary. And then I want to go down the street and I want to love on Satellite Beach and Indian Harbor Beach. And I want to love on as many as possible. I want to reach this community beachside for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And then I'm reminded... I want to see Brevard County come to Christ. I want to see, I want to see the end of homeless. I want to love on mothers and children who are struggling. I want to make sure that nobody is in need, that nobody goes hungry, that nobody has want. And then I'm reminded that I want to see Brevard County come to Jesus. And I want to see this church grow beyond what we could have asked or imagined. And I want to see people healed of COVID. And I want to see COVID gone. And I want to see people worshiping in spirit and truth. I want to see people just letting go and letting God do whatever in their lives. And then I reminded that only God. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the floodgates that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice, but come to the Father. Only Stop your fighting and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted among the earth. Philippians chapter two, verses nine to 11. For this reason, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just as Christ is our only way to have a relationship with the Father, the Father is telling his people through the psalmist, your trust must be in me, even in, but especially in times of trouble. So stop your fighting, stop depending on yourself, stop settling when I have so much more in store for you. Stop your fighting and know that I I am God. I'm exalted among the nations. I am exalted among the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our helper who is always found in times of trouble. Selah. In 1592, I think I have the year right. It's about 12 years after he had hammered his theses on the wall, on the door, kicking off the Reformation. Martin Luther hit one of the lowest times of his life. And after reading Psalm 46, he penned these words. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark, a stronghold, never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. 
For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? If we did, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, capital M, the man of God's own choosing, Jesus Christ. You may ask who that may be. It's Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name. From age to age, he's the same. And we must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness is grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure because his doom is sure. One little word will fell him. That word above all earthly powers. No thanks to them who abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sides. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. You may have no idea what that hymn hymn means. I can sum it up in two words for you. Only God. I do not know what you are going through this morning. I do not know what your family and your friends are going through. But I do know that only God, that God can provide a way through it. He's probably not going to provide a way out of it. He's probably going to provide you a way through it so that you depend on him, so that you cling to his presence, so that you understand he is the one taking you through. I don't know what you are going through. I don't know what, what, what life has thrown at you, but I know that God does, and I know that God cares. And as much as I could tell you that I care for you and I care about what's going on, I know that my God cares immensely and eternally more than I could ever imagine caring. There's just something about the Psalms. And I hope, maybe you're not going through anything right now. Maybe right now it's just all rainbows and unicorns. Now you're equipped for when the clouds roll in. Yesterday, uh, excuse me, not yesterday, Friday was our preschool, uh, was that called open house? Open house, and one of, I was just greeting folks in the hallway, and, uh, and one of our parent, one of our dads, dropped, he, he took his kid into the classroom, and, um, and then he, he needed to get something out of his truck. And so he looked at me and he said, um, I'm only going to be gone for a minute. My boy is a runner. Would you mind watching him? And, and I, said, um, I said, sure. And that was dumb. And, and so um, he stepped outside. And I am literally, I, I, don't, I think I barely turned my back. And then it was like the flash. And, and I'm... And it's, and he's running and he is, I mean, it's the fastest thing I've ever seen happen in my entire life. It was like Usain Bolt just going. And I learned, I learned two things in that moment. The, the first thing I learned was that I am significantly out of shape. <laughs> the second thing I learned is that 
And, and I, was, I was calling to him as I was running. And I'm telling you, folks, we started at the playground door. And we ended, he almost got outside. And I am sprinting after, uh, sprinting, that's a strong word. Um, and, and, and he, the whole time, he starts down there and it's, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And I am running after him. Running is also a strong word. I'm after him and I'm like, Elijah, Elijah, he's, he's, he's right there. But it wasn't until he saw his dad and it wasn't until he was in his father's presence that he stopped. And when his dad scooped him up, and when his dad got me a glass of water. <laughs> when his dad scooped him up and when his dad put him in his arms and his dad looked at him and said, I'm right here. The tears went away. No, he kept crying. But he grabbed his dad's neck. And he knew that he was okay. God is our refuge and our strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. May you always turn to the Father as your refuge. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being just that for being our refuge, our tower, our stronghold, our safe harbor, for being our Father. The least scripture even calls you Abba, Father. It's, it's that term of endearment. It's like, Daddy. Yes, sometimes that comes with discipline and reprimand, but it also comes with that relationship and we need to find that balance of fear and awe and reverence, but also that balance, that blend of love, compassion, and intimacy. God, you are our refuge and our strength. You are our helper who is always going to be found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake, we know that there is a river. You are within her. You will not be toppled. God will help us when the morning dawns. Though the nations rage and the kingdoms topple, the earth melts when you lift your voice. The Lord of armies is with us. You, God of Jacob, are our stronghold. We, will, we have come and we see the works you have done. And Father, we are still, we will stop. And it will be our testimony that you and you alone are God. To you be the glory. Great things you have done. 
In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Wednesday night for dinner in midweek, or we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Have a great week to the start of school year. God bless you.